So when life gets dicey, do you rely on your own wit, strength, and skills to work things out? Or do you immediately go and pray and ask for God's wisdom? Your ability versus the supernatural grace of God. I'd like to tell you a story. My daughter was on a field trip to Elmwood Cemetery here in Memphis, and she was walking along with one of her friends who is Muslim. Betsy thought this would be a good opportunity to ask her about what they believe happens when a person dies. Her friend told her that they would eventually face judgment according to the things that they did here on earth. Each person's deeds were recorded in their book, and depending on the weight of good versus bad in their book, they would be assigned a place in one of the seven heavens. But they were all good. They were given opportunities to do uh, special deeds that would give them a boost. For instance, fasting on the holy day equaled 80 years of good deeds. And a trip to Mecca, well, that was pure gold. To her friend, it was all about the intentions of the heart. She is spending her life striving to be good enough. Unfortunately, she is still enslaved by her sin. And this is exactly what Paul is, has been talking about, works righteousness. Now, I want to add that there are also other religions besides Islam that focus on works, such as Judaism, which is what Paul has been talking about today, Hinduism, Mormonism, Roman Catholicism, and liberal Protestantism. And to these, Paul asks, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Anyone who considers themselves able to work out their salvation has faith. Faith in themselves as their savior. Now, one of the concepts Paul is talking about today is a religion of bondage versus a religion of freedom. And he uses the Old Testament example of Hagar and Sarah as his illustration. So let's read verses 21 through 31. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now, you brothers like Isaac are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. 
But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. All right, so let's take another look at Ishmael and Isaac. Um, This was part of your homework, so this will probably be a little bit of review, so we'll kind of roll through it. Now, Abraham was the father of both boys. But the crucial question here is, who is your mother? Um, Hagar was a slave, and her children would be slaves. Allegorically, she represented the law of the Old Covenant given on Mount Sinai. Now, the Old Testament, or Old Covenant, was based on Mosaic law and contained all the rituals and regulations that God's people had to keep in order to receive God's blessing. It stated, thou shall and thou shalt not, and was based on a principle of works. Hagar also represents the present earthly Jerusalem, those caught up in legalism. The Jews are still in slavery because they are still under the law. But Sarah was a free woman, and her children would be free because they were heirs according to the promise. God established the New Testament or New Covenant through Christ, whose blood ratified it. Paul refers to these believers as the Jerusalem above, in reference to the church of Jesus Christ. Sarah also represents God's undeserved grace. We read in verse 27, For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. And that was only by grace. Then we see Ishmael. Ishmael was born by man's decision, man's work. He was born of the flesh. He was born of self-reliance. In Genesis 16, 12, the angel prophesied concerning the birth of Ishmael. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Ishmael had 12 sons, and they moved into the area we call Arabia. So he was the father of the Arabs. Then Isaac, of course, was Abraham and Sarah's son, born supernaturally because of the promise. Abraham was 100 years old, and Sarah, who was not only barren, but way past menopause, was 90 years old when Isaac was born, just as God had promised in Genesis 17, verse 21. He says, I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, who became the sons of Israel. And he was the father of the Jews. Now, this made me go on a rabbit trail, which I thought was extremely interesting. As I said, Ishmael had 12 sons. In Genesis 25, 13, we are told that the oldest son was named Nebaioth. In 570 AD, Muhammad was born. He was the prophet who founded Islam and the proclaimer of the Quran. 
He claimed to be descended through Ishmael's firstborn son, Nebaioth, who was also Abraham's grandson. Now, this is where it starts getting very interesting to me. According to Islamic tradition, the actual name of the son whom Abraham was supposed to sacrifice to God is not mentioned in the Quran. However, the belief that this son was Ishmael, not Isaac, is now well established in their tradition. Listen as I read from the New World Encyclopedia. When Ishmael had grown enough to walk alongside him, Abraham dreamed that God ordered him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac not being born yet, with his own hand. Abraham knew that the dream was, in fact, a revelation from God and, and not a satanic whisper, so he prepared himself with a heart overflowing with faith to carry out the command of God. He went to see his son and told him, I saw in a dream that I sacrificed you for the sake of God. Think about it and tell me your opinion on the matter. His son replied without hesitation or anxiety, O oh, Father, fulfill what God has commanded. By his will, you will find me among the patient. When Abraham took up the knife to slay him, Ishmael said, Dear Father, tie my hands and feet tightly with a piece of rope so that I don't move them as I am dying, because I'm afraid that I would lessen my reward. Keep your clothes away from me so that my blood doesn't splatter on you. If my mother sees that, she may not be able to tolerate it. Sharpen the knife well and sever my head at once so that I can tolerate it better because dying is difficult. The tale ends with God sending the angel Gabriel who brought Abraham a lamb that he sacrificed instead of his son. Okay, girls, hopefully this tale and it is just that, a rather tall tale, will help you better understand just how much the enemy can pervert the truth in order to hold people in bondage. He cajoles them into thinking they can be saved by their works. And because Islam has never believed that Jesus is God's son, and the Messiah. Muslims are still slaves to sin. Now contrast that with the 12 sons that Jacob had. When we look at that genealogy, we see that Jesus comes through the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah. And those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are called Christians. They have been set free from bondage. And in Ephesians 2, 8, we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. And there's another interesting side note in all of this. Look at verse 29. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. Many people today regard the Arab-Israeli conflict to have its roots in the ancient conflict between Ishmael and Isaac, or more precisely, between their mothers, 
Hagar, and Sarah. Okay, Patty, that's all very interesting, but what does that have to do about our striving? Well, let's go back to the story of the Muslim friend. Ladies, she is literally spending her life striving to get it all as right as she can. She thinks that her eternity depends on her performance. But as long as she's enslaved by her sin, there's nothing she can do that will set her free. So now let me tell you the rest of the story. Betsy's friend then asked her about what happens to Christians when they die. Betsy told her that she would enter heaven based on Jesus' book. His perfect life lived in her place. There was nothing a Christian could do to earn her salvation. A Christian has faith that Jesus is God's son who lived and died and rose so that we might live with him for eternity. So, are you living under the law? Are you striving your hardest to do everything you can to please God and earn his favor? Do you hope that you will have accumulated enough good deeds that your book will be heavy enough to get you into heaven? Then stop. If you are a child of the promise, the Father does not look at your works, but he looks at the works of his son. Jesus finished work. And Jesus has a free gift for each of you. There are silver boxes on your table. Everybody take a silver box. Don't open it yet. Everybody got one? Okay. If, like Abraham, you believe that God will, or for us, has sent the Savior to pull us up out of the muck and mire of our sin, then open the gift. Ladies, the Father sees you through the death of his beloved son who took all our punishment on himself. You are a new creation. You are free. Now, go and share the good news. Who knows whether the seed you plant may be the very one that the Holy Spirit uses to draw a Muslim friend to faith. Let's pray. Oh, precious Father, we are so sorry when we rely on ourselves instead of you. Through this lesson, we can see so clearly what a mess we can make when we don't wait on you. A mess that can last through the ages, even to today. Help us to remember that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces in the heavenly, uh, 
spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Lord, give us your grace to love all your image bearers and courage to plant seeds of faith in their hearts. We pray that they would come to know you. And thank you that in your grace and mercy, we can call you Abba, Father. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.